Hello, this is Mary Jo Tinlin from Teaching Your Toddler. Today we're going to do something very special and read a story from the public domain. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. Welcome to Teaching Your Toddler Storytime. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are going to read a story from a book called Fairy Tales Every Child Should Know, which was originally published in 1905. And the story, of course, is Cinderella, also known as The Little Glass Slipper. I'm reading today from Gutenberg.org. There's tons and tons of books you guys could read along. You can read other stories. There's tons and tons of stories in there. They're all in the public domain. So they are over 100 years old and uh, or they've been allowed to be in the public domain. So it's okay for me to read this to you. No violation of copyrights or anything like that. But I do hope you uh, enjoy this reading of Cinderella. There once was a very rich gentleman who lost his wife, and having loved her exceedingly, he was very sorry when she died. Finding himself quite unhappy for her loss, he resolved to marry a second time, thinking by this means he should be as happy as before. Unfortunately, however, the lady he chanced to fix upon was the proudest and most haughty woman ever known. She was also out of humor with everyone. Nobody could please her, and she returned the civilities of those about her with the most affronting disdain. She had two daughters by a former husband. These she brought up to be proud and idle. Indeed, in temper and behavior, they perfectly resembled their mother. They did not love their books and would not learn to work. In short, they were disliked by everybody. The gentleman on his side, too, had a daughter, who in sweetness of temper and carriage was the exact likeness of her own mother, whose death he had so much lamented, and whose tender care of the little girl he had in hopes to see replaced by that of his new bride. But scarcely was the marriage ceremony over before his wife began to show her real temper. She could not bear the pretty little girl because her sweet, obliging manners made those of her own daughters appear a thousand times more odious and disagreeable. She therefore ordered her to live in the kitchen, and if ever she brought anything into the parlor, always scolded her till she was out of sight. She made her work with the servants in washing the dishes and rubbing the tables and chairs. It was her place to clean Madame's chamber and that of the Misses, her daughter's which was all inlaid, had beds of the newest fashion and looking-glasses so long and broad that they saw themselves from head to foot in them, while the little creature herself was forced to sleep in a sorry garret upon a wretched straw bed without curtains or anything to make her feel comfortable. The poor child bore this with the greatest patience, not daring to complain to her father, who, she feared, would only reprove her, for she saw that his wife governed him entirely." When she had done all her work, she used to sit in the chimney corner among the cinders, so that in the house she went by the name of Cinder Breach. The youngest of the two sisters, however, being rather more civil than the eldest, called her Cinderella. And Cinderella, dirty and ragged as she was, was often happens in, which often happens in such cases, was a thousand times prettier than her sisters, dressed out in all their splendor. It happened that, that the sons that the king's son gave a ball to which he invited all the persons of fashion in the country. Our two misses were there were of the number, for the king's son did not know how disagreeable they were, but supposed, as they were so much indulged, that they were extremely amiable. He did not invite Cinderella, for he had never seen or heard of her. The two sisters began immediately to be very busy in preparing for the happy day. Nothing could exceed their joy. Every moment of their time was spent in fancying such gowns, shoes, and headdresses that would set them off of the greatest advantage. 
All this was the new vexation to poor Cinderella, for it was she who ironed and plaited her sister's linens. They talked of nothing but how they should be dressed. I, said the eldest, will wear my scarlet velvet with French trimming. And I, said the youngest, shall wear the same petticoat I made for the last ball. But then, to make amends for that, I shall put on my gold muslin train, and wear my diamonds in my hair. With these I must certainly look well. They sent several miles for the best hairdresser that was to be had, and all their ornaments were brought at the most fashionable shops. On the morning of the ball, they called up Cinderella to consult with her about their dresses, for they knew she had a great deal of taste. Cinderella gave them the best advice she could, and even offered to assist in adjusting their headdresses, which was exactly what they wanted, and they accordingly accepted her proposal. While Cinderella was busily engaging in dressing her sisters, they said to her, "'Should you not like, Cinderella, to go to the ball?' Ah, replied Cinderella, you are only laughing at me, for it is not for such that I am to think of going to balls. <laughs> You're in the right, they said. Folks might laugh indeed to see a cinder breach dancing around a ballroom. Any other than Cinderella would have tried to make the haughty creatures look as ugly as she could, but the sweet-tempered girl, on the contrary, did everything she could think of to make them look well. The sisters had scarcely eaten, scarcely eaten anything for two days, so great was their joy as the happy dance drew near. More than a dozen laces were broken in endeavoring to give them a fine slender shape, and they were always before the looking-glass. At length, the much-wished-for moment arrived. The proud misses stepped into a beautiful carriage, and followed by servants of rich liveries, drove towards the palace. Cinderella followed them with her eyes as far as she could, and when they were out of sight, she sat down in a corner and began to cry. Her godmother, who saw her in tears, asked her what ailed her. "'I wish, I wish,' sobbed poor Cinderella, without being able to say another word. The godmother, who was a fairy, said to her, "'You wish to go to the ball, Cinderella? Is not this the truth?' "'Alas, yes,' replied the young child, sobbing, still more than before. "'Well, well, be a good girl,' said the godmother, "'and you shall go.' Then she led Cinderella to her chamber, and said to her, "'Run into the garden, and bring me a pumpkin.' Cinderella flew like lightning, and brought the finest she could lay a hold of. Her godmother scooped out the inside, leaving nothing but the rind. Then she struck it with her wand, and the pumpkin instantly became a fine coach gilded all over with gold. Then she looked into her mousetrap, where she finds six mice all alive and brisk. She told Cinderella to lift up the door of the trap very gently, and as the mice passed out, she touched them one by one with her wand, and each immediately became a beautiful dappled horse. "'Here, my child,' said the godmother, "'is a coach and horses, too, as handsome as your sister's. "'But what shall we do for a postillion?' "'I will run,' cried Cinderella, "'and see if there not be a rat in the trap. "'If I find one, he will do very well for a postillion.' "'Very well of, very well of, my child,' said the godmother. "'What make haste you can?' "'Cinderella brought the rat trap, "'which, to her great joy, contained three of the largest rats ever seen.' The fairy chose the one with the longest beard, and touching him with her wand, he instantly turned into a handsome postillion, with the finest pair of whiskers imaginable. She next said to Cinderella, "'Go again to the garden, and you will find six lizards behind the watering pot. Bring them hither.' This was no sooner done than with a stroke of the fairy's wand they were changed into six footmen, all who jumped behind the coach with their laced liveries and stood side by side as cleverly as if they had been used for nothing else in their whole lives." The fairy then said to Cinderella, "'Well, my, da- my dear, is it not such an equipage that you could wish for to take you to the ball? Are you not delighted with this?' 
Yes, cried Cinderella with hesitation, but I must go thither in these filthy rags. Her godmother touched her with a wand, and her rags instantly became the most magnificent apparel, ornamented with the most costly jewels in the world. To these she added a beautiful pair of glass slippers, and bade her set out for the palace. The fairy, however, before she took leave of Cinderella, strictly charged her on no account whatever to stay at the ball after the clock had struck twelve, telling her that, should she stay but a single moment after that, her coach would again become a pumpkin, her horses mice, her footmen lizards, her fine clothes be changed to filthy rags. Cinderella did not fail to promise all her godmother's desire of her, and almost wild with joy drove away at the pal to the palace. As soon as she arrived, the king's son, who had been informed that a great princess, whom no one knew, was come to the ball, presented himself at the door of her carriage, helped her out, and conducted her to the ballroom. Cinderella no sooner appeared than every eye was silent. Everyone was silent, sorry. Both the dancing and the music stopped, and everybody was employed in gazing at the uncommon beauty of this unknown stranger. Nothing was heard of but whispers, how handsome she is. The king himself, old as he was, could not keep his eyes from her, and continually repeated to the queen that it was a long time since he had seen so lovely a creature. The ladies endeavored to find out how her clothes were made, that they might get some of the same pattern for themselves by the next day, should they be lucky enough to meet with such handsome materials, and such good work people to make them. The king conducted the king's son conducted her with the most honorable seat, and soon took after her to dance with him. She moved and, gra and danced so gracefully that everyone admired her still more than before, and she was thought the most beautiful and accomplished lady they had ever beheld. After some time, a delicious collation, collation was served up, but the young prince was so busily employed in looking at her that he did not eat a morsel. Cinderella seated herself near her sisters, paid them a thousand attentions, and offered them a part of the oranges and sweetmeats which with the, the prince had presented her while they, on their part, were quite astonished at these civilities from a lady whom they had not, did not know. As they were conversing together, Cinderella heard the clock strike eleven and then three quarters. She rose from her seat, curtsied to the company, and hastened away as fast as she could. As soon as she got home, she flew to her godmother, and after thanking her a thousand times, told her she would give her the, the world to be able to go to the ball again the next day, for the king's son had entreated her to be there. While she was telling her godmother everything that had happened at the ball, the two sisters knocked a loud rat-rat-rat-rat-a-tat at the door, which Cinderella opened. "'How late you have stayed,' she said, yawning, rubbing her eyes and stretching herself as if just wakened out of her sleep, though she had in truth felt no desire to sleep since they left her. "'If you had been at the ball,' said one of the sisters, "'let me tell you, you would not have been sleepy. There came thither the handsomest, yet the very handsomest princess ever beheld.' She paid us a thousand, a thousand attentions and made us take part of the orange and sweetmeats the princess had, the prince had given her. Cinderella could scarcely contain her joy, for, she, for her. Cinderella could scarcely contain herself for joy. She asked her sisters the name of the princess, to which they replied that nobody had been able to discover who she was, that the king's son was extremely aggrieved on this account, and had offered a large reward to anyone who could find out where she came from. Cinderella smiled and said, "'How very beautiful she must be! How fortunate you are! Oh, could I but see her for a single moment! My dear dear Miss Charlotte, lend me only the yellow gown you wear every day, and let me go to see her.' Yes, yeah, "'Oh, yes, I warrant you. Lend my clothes to the cinder breach. Do you really suppose me such a fool? No, no, pray, Miss Forward, miss your proper mind your proper business, and leave dresses and balls to your betters.' Cinderella expected some such answer, and was by no means sorry, 
for she would have been sadly at a loss what to do if her sister had lent her the clothes that she had asked her for. The next day, the sisters again appeared at the ball, and so did Cinderella, but dressed much more magnificently than the night before. The king's son was continually by her side, and said the most obliging things imaginable to her. The charming young creature was far from being tired of all the agreeable things she met with. On the contrary, she was so delighted with some that with them that she entirely forgot the charge her grandmother had given her, godmother had given her. Cinderella at last heard the striking of the clock and counted one, two, three, on till she came to twelve, though she thought it, it could be eleven at the most. She got up and flew as nimbly as a deer out of the ballroom. The prince tried to overtake her, but poor Cinderella's fright made her run faster. However, in a great hurry, she dropped one of her glass slippers on her, from her foot, which the prince stooped down and picked up and took the greatest care of, of possible. Cinderella got home tired and out of breath in her old clothes without either a coach or footman and having left none left her magnificence but the fellow of the glass slipper which she had dropped in the meanwhile the prince had inquired of all the guards and at the palace gates if they had not seen a magnificent princess pass out and which way she went the guards replied that no princess had passed the gates and that she had not they had not seen a creature but a little ragged girl who looked much more like a beggar than a princess when the two sisters returned from the ball cinderella asked if they had been much amused as the night before and if the beautiful princess had been there they told her that she had but as soon as the clock struck twelve she hurried away from the ballroom and in the greatest haste she made had dropped one of her glass slippers which was the prettiest shape that it could be that the king's son had picked it up and had done nothing but look at it the rest of the evening and that everybody believed he was violently in love with the handsome lady who, to whom it belonged this was very true, for the few days after the prince had proclaimed it by sound of trumpet that he would marry the lady whose foot exactly fit the slipper he had found. Accordingly, the prince's messengers took the slipper and carried it first to all princesses and then the duchesses, in short, to all the ladies in the court, but without success. And then they brought it to the two sisters, who each tried it on, as all they could to squeeze her foot into the slipper, but saw at last that this was quite impossible." cinderella who was looking at them all the while and knew her slipper could not help but smile and ventured to say pray sir let me try on the slipper the gentleman made her sit down and put the slipper on her foot it instantly slipped in and he saw that it fitted her like wax the two sisters were amazed to see that the slipper fitted on cinderella but how much greater was their astonishment when she drew out of her pocket the other slipper and put it on just at this moment the fairy entered the room and touched cinderella's clothes with her wand made her all at once appear more magnificently dressed than they had ever seen her before the two sisters immediately perceived that she was the beautiful princess they had seen at the ball they threw themselves at her feet and asked her forgiveness for the ill treatment she had received them from them cinderella helped them to rise and tenderly embraced them said that she forgave them with all her heart and begged them to bestow on their affection Cinderella was conducted, dressed as she was, to the young prince, who, finding her more beautiful than ever, instantly desired to accept of his hand. The marriage ceremony took place in a few days, and Cinderella, who was as amiable as she was handsome, gave her sisters magnificent apartments in the palace, and a short time after married them to two great lords of the court. And that is the story of Cinderella. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy reading it with your child. Thank you so much for joining us for Storytime. Remember, check us out on teachingyourtoddler.com, on Facebook teaching at Teaching Your Toddler, and on Twitter at Teaching Toddler. We're also on Instagram as well. So check us out there. I hope you enjoyed this show and have a great week. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us for the Teaching Your Toddler Show with Mary Jo Tinlin. We hope you had some fun and you got some great ideas for the week. Please subscribe to the podcast, like us on Facebook, and visit the website for all the links we discussed at www.teachingyourtoddler.com. This has been the Teaching Your Toddler Show with Mary Jo Tinlin. Until next time, keep teaching. Keep teaching.